Hey John from fatsocksblog.com. Today I'm going to step you through a bird's eye view, but with quite a bit of detail, my strategy I use to generate $50,000 a month with fun niche sites. This video has nothing to do with Blog. The revenue that I show in the screenshots has nothing to do with Blog. That's a totally separate thing. I'm not here to show you how to make money by showing folks how to make money. I'm, I'm here to show you a strategy I've used now for an, a number of years and I continue to use across a whole portfolio of niche sites that generates really, really good ad and affiliate revenue. Just to give you some idea here, uh, here we have the Ad Thrive, which I'm with, which is an ad network, very, very good. The last 30 days is almost $42,000, Amazon 2000. White label product I'm selling via one of my new sites, almost $2,700 a month. Video ad player, approaching anywhere from 250 to 350 per day in ad revenue and still have some sites with the Zoic, smaller sites, and still pumping out a little bit of money every month. So that's not a reflection of Zoic. Mo most of my higher earning sites are with uh, AdThrive. That's, that's why it's a lower amount. Okay, the overarching strategy is content and specifically keyword research. It all starts with keyword research. You nail the keyword research and as long as you produce a really good piece of content, the strategy works. So uh, there's obviously a few a few follow-up tasks and things to do in order to, to to grease the wheel, so to speak. But that's it in a linchpin. Okay. So my keyword research, my my approach is publish a lot of content, high volume strategy, target low competition keywords. Publish target the keywords other sites aren't going after. Everybody goes after the same key after the same keywords, after the same topics. Don't. Look for the ones they're not covering. Low competition works really well. Search volume for me is not very, very important. I, I use Ahrefs. It's my favorite keyword research tool. I recommend you get it. I know it's expensive. They offer a free seven day trial. You can get a lot done with a new site in seven days of keyword research. Okay. I look, if I see an article that has 10 or 20 searches a month, that's good enough for me. As long as it's a low, low keyword difficulty, a low keyword difficulty in Ahrefs would be anywhere from zero to five. Zero is awesome, right? Now, I'm, this isn't going to be all about keyword difficulty. I don't want to get into it. There's more to it than that. But generally, that's a guideline, right? You always want to check your, your keywords that you're going to maybe potentially cover in Google itself. Put them in Google. See what's ranking. I mean, if the top three spots are really, really competitive sites with awesome content, you might want to think twice about that. Okay, that's enough. That's enough what I'll say about keyword difficulty. But the point is, Ahrefs score is actually a nice guideline, and I do follow it. So what do I look for? I look for low, low competition keywords, and I look for the ability to produce an excellent article. There are some topics that maybe I can't find a writer who's going to do it justice. Perhaps I can't do it myself. And yes, I do still write for some of my niche sites. I, I write quite regularly. But the, the point is, is you need to find some, you know, topics that you can really knock out of the park. Okay. Now, uh, later in the video, I'm going to show you, uh, talk about one of the content providers I use and some ideas about how you can find experts and so forth. But, but sometimes I will see content ideas and I'm just like, no, there's just no way I, I, I can't do that property. So I'll pass it. But more often than not, I'm, I'm able to, to get a good article for a topic. Okay. The other thing I do is clusters and clusters are a series of tightly related articles within a topic. This helps a lot. It basically tells Google, Hey, my site really covers this topic in depth. It's and, uh, you know, it can be trusted for that. And as long as it's good, yes, it works. This works really well. So if you find a good topic, don't just stop with one article, look for all the angles you can cover this thing for. I mean, it just, 
even if it's zero search volume, the point is, is you want to carpet bomb that particular topic on your site and it's worth doing. Some clusters might be three, four, five articles only. Some are going to be 50 plus. Yes, I have done clusters that are 50 plus and yes, I will order them all at once. Okay, the lastly, content generally for me is fairly long. I find I typically with 1500 words will be, be the minimum and that's a fairly long article. Some will go 3000 plus. 3000 word articles are, 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 that's a long article, okay? We're approaching novella. I'm just kidding, but it, it's long. I also like to use a lot of images in my content, not gratuitously, but if they enhance the 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 article, then I will use them. Okay, hiring writers. I have uh, several in-house writers that I've just kind of found and hired over the years. I've advertised on Craigslist. I've I've, I've used uh, I've just I don't know. People contact me and they they pitch an article and they they were I really love their work and then we we talk about you know carrying on. So I use in house and I also use Writer Access. Writer Access is a is a content agency that puts publishers and writers together. They have an awesome pool of writers, huge pool, a lot of experts there. You need need a lawyer, nurse, accountant, architect, you name it. They're on there and they have that expertise. Okay, now for that level of expertise, you may have to pay more. My range that I typically pay will be between four cents and eight cents, depending on the complexity of the article, the expertise needed, and so on. And, and the length. Actually, length is something to keep in mind. Like if you're ordering a 3,000 word article, you probably get away with a, a, a lower per word rate. And the only reason for that is, is it's still a fairly a, a, a sizable amount of money for the writer, right? Even if it's a per word. For them, I mean, it's sometimes, like, I know for a fact that a lot of writers on there are, are constantly looking for more work. So if they can take a 3,000 word article, even if they're going to compromise a little bit on their per word, uh, they'll take it. Okay, so you can actually get like a five-star writer that could command 10 cents per word, but you might get them to write you an article for six cents just because it's a large order. So keep that in mind. Create your own content ordering briefs, okay? Save them. Don't don't reinvent the wheel. This saves a ton of time. I have I have tons of them, and I use them over and over and over. I also bulk order. This is efficient. I don't just go in and order one article. I go in and order a bunch. I do it all at one time. It's same with keyword research. I do sessions, and I just bang out lists, you know, lists and lists of them, and then it's done. It's done for a while, and I recommend you do this because I find with keyword research, it, it takes a little bit to get going, but once you start going down some rabbit holes, you really start finding a lot of good stuff, and so don't don't break that up. To, you know, keep going until you've exhausted uh, for especially a few topics anyway. The next point is really important. This is probably one of the most important things you can do when you work with an outfit like Writer Access. It, you can also do this on Text Broker. The quality is not as good on Text Broker, but you, you can use them. I, I have used them. Okay, here's the thing. As you're ordering, as you're getting content back, pay attention to the writer. Did the, if they did a really good job, add them to your love list. And Writer Access is called a love list, and Text Broker is called a favorites list. Okay, don't ignore that. I ignored this for a long time and it was really short-sighted of myself. So now what I do is every time I, I got a new, a new a try out a new, a new writer, I'll assess it. And if they're good, they get added to the love list. And if, and if they're not good, I block them. Okay, it's not either or. I will block them. If it's not a good article, they get blocked because I don't want anything from them again. It's either excellent and acceptable and I want to work with that writer again or I don't want to work with them. So do that and create these filtered curated lists because then when you submit new projects, you can just submit them to your list of basically you know, approved writers approved by you and the chances of the quality being being good and acceptable and not having to ask for revisions which is a huge time suck is much better right you just you, you know these writers that work for you they do a good job it's great it's definitely a way to go 
And lastly, you could seek out experts. You can actually pitch article. It's, it's almost like posting a job on a job board, but you can post article topics and projects, writing projects, and you can s stipulate, you know, the expertise and credentials that you're looking for. It's like, look, I, I, you, you know, you need to be a certified architect or you need to be a nurse or whatever, right? And you can find these people on there. And now you may have to pay more because of their expertise, but when you need the expertise for content, this is, you can find them there, which is great. And they're, they're, they're there. People will write no matter what their credentials and career. It's, 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 a, it's a great, great resource for good content. Content formatting. Okay, here's my here's my bird's eye view of SEO. I don't really do anything off-site. I focus on-site, and the reason for that is I have control over these these matters, right? I can control what I do on-site. I can control the content I produce. I can control everything about that. I can't control the off-site stuff, right? Yeah, I could be a big link builder, and short, long story short, I don't build links, and I'll get to that. But I could. But I don't control things like, oh, is that a good link or a bad link? What if I hire a service, okay, a white hat uh, guest posting service or outreach service, all right? Uh, I, I say that sarcastically because it's not really white hat. You're basically paying for links. I hate to break it to you, okay? Now, I'm not saying all guest posts are bad. I think some, if you get on a really good site, are, are good. But here's the thing. I mean, if you're going to try to scale this stuff, you're losing control of the quality of your links, and this increases the risk of potentially getting a penalty or paying for links that really aren't going to be valued at all by Google. So these are things I, I don't like doing that. I don't like to increase the risk. I'd rather slower growth and and minimize the risk then you know if I'm gonna invest tens of thousands in content in a website do I want to put the whole thing at risk because I want to go build a bunch of lousy guest post links no it's just not worth it for me so anyway that's my take on it I focus on site and here's what I do with on site proper heading tags all right heading two tags heading three tags heading four tags I use them I use them properly I instruct writers to use them every content brief I have I set out specifically how I want these used and it's very important and if they don't I send it back for a revision I've even had to tell them listen you you clearly don't know how to use these tags you need to contact somebody at writer access who can explain it to you okay it's not my job to train them how to do proper article formatting they should know if they're a writer universal blog post format this is really important especially if you use ads every blog post on all my sites formatted the same way FatSax is kind of an outlier but that's that's a different story i told you this has nothing to do with FatSax. that's a totally different type of site okay i have a universal blog post format ads go essentially in the same spots the, the images largely are, are formatted all the same. I use the same heading format. Everything is the same, and this makes it easy. It's easy to train people to format and get articles on my site. And when I deploy ads site-wide, you know, after X paragraph or before uh, Y image and so forth, I know that the ads are going to look good. So come up with a universal blog format and then use that on all your articles. The other thing you have a lot of control over and is important to do is insert your schema markup where applicable with your content, okay? Now, the Yoast SEO plugin is pretty sweet in that it will apply the, the sort of the site-wide article schema format for all your content. So that's nice. It's a good starting point, okay? But chances are you're going to publish a, types of content that could use additional schema. Now, what the schema markup does is it, it communicates to Google that your article is of a certain type. And what Google will then do, as long as the schema is properly marked up, it will it will reflect that in the Google search engine listings. Okay, so for, for example, if it's a product review and you have the product 
the, the review schema, it will show the stars in, in the search. I'm sure you've seen that. Makes a big difference, okay? It makes you gonna get more clicks to your site, and so forth. Same with recipes, same with FAQ, same with how-to. There are lots of different types of articles that can have its own specific schema markup. It's important to learn this and then do it. And I'm going back and I'm doing this. I really started doing this in 2020 and I, I think it's it's making a big difference. So you can use online schema markup generators. I don't like the plugins at all. I don't use them. I've tried them. I, I just don't like them. I prefer to use generate my own schema markup code with the online just go to Google and type in schema markup generators and you get pages of them, okay? And they're free. You can use them right online and it'll generate the schema markup for you. The other thing I do is I interlink related content. I have control over this. It makes a difference. It's good for users. It's good for SEO. It's just all around a very good thing to do. Now, the downside is it's boring. It's time consuming. It's tedious. I don't like doing it, but I do it anyway, okay? Not everything in this business is glamorous and awesome. So I interlink everything when it related content. Now, let's say I have a cluster of 30 articles, very tightly related, all 30 of them. Am I going to interlink all 30 with the other th other remaining 30? No, I'm not going to do that. Often I'll tie them together with a cornerstone so that one cornerstone may link out to all 30 and all 30 link back to that cornerstone. But I may also interlink maybe five out of 30 that are really, really closely related. Okay, so you got to use your judgment here and do what makes sense. Okay. And I do that and it makes a big difference. I also tag my content. I plan out my tags very carefully. I plan out tags as carefully as I do categories. I think tagging is very important, but I don't do it haphazardly. I just don't like make up tags on the fly as I'm publishing content. I actually plan them out. I will only create a tag if I have three or four articles that, that can have that tag applied. And then as I go on, I add more to that particular tag. I think tagging is really good. It's an additional taxonomy that you can use. It's good for users. It creates uh, additional tag archive pages that visitors can use and find content pertinent to that tag. Next up that I do is monetization. Obviously, you're probably wondering, well, how do you make money on these sites? Well, I've already alluded to the fact I use display ads, and that's the majority of my revenue. Okay, so if you're just starting out, you're gonna you're kind of at the bottom of the ad food chain. I hate to tell you that, but we've all been there. So generally, your first network you're probably going to use would be AdSense. Okay, you apply, you get it, you get the ads put on your site. It's not so easy to get approved, actually. AdSense is a little bit more uh, judicious and discerning there than they were maybe 10 years ago. But anyways, you can start with them now they're not going to be your best earners. As soon as you qualify it, which is 10,000 page views per month, I highly recommend you check out Azoic. At least give them a shot and see how they perform. You can actually split test the Azoic ads with your AdSense ads and Azoic will show which ones earn more. So, so you don't really have anything to lose. And Azoic's free to use. So I, I, use, I still use Azoic. I use them for years. They're very good. But as you move along up the food chain and you get and by that I mean more traffic, you can start going to even more premium ad networks like AdThrive or Mediavine. All right, I don't use Mediavine, I use AdThrive, but Mediavine is very similar. I've heard nothing but good things from a lot of publishers about Mediavine, and so you can apply there. Now, are they gonna outperform Mesoic? Maybe, maybe. All right, they do they do everything for you, which is really nice, I love that. Their customer support is amazing. Are they gonna earn more than Mesoic? For a lot of publishers they have, for some they haven't. So you just want to try it. It's worth trying, okay? But you got to give them a shot. You got to give them three months because, and, and it's the same with these Oak. You got to give them time because you don't just put ads on a site and they, they're firing at like maximum earning potential immediately. It actually takes time for the advertisers to, you know, optimize over time. So, so for all of these, you do have to give them some time. So I'm with AdThrive. 
and I'm moving more and more sites over to AdThrive. I'm very happy with them. I think they're an outstanding network, so I'm enjoying that. But you know, you got to work your way up the, up the food chain. There are many other ad networks out there. If you if the if the looks or whatever of these don't don't suit you, there are many others you can check out. I put ads above the fold. One above the fold. I put a sticky sidebar, sticky in content. Now that's an annoying ad, but I do it anyway. And I have a few in content. Now I don't. In the content, in the middle of the content, I, I don't put a whole lot. I actually really dial it back because I, I don't want it, the visitors to see an ad every time, like, no matter where they are on the screen. I just think it's too much. It breaks up the text too much. It breaks up everything too much. So I ease up there. I find it doesn't really impact revenue. The, the big earners are above the fold, the stickies. And next, the video ad. you got to get a video ad. doesn't matter who you're with, okay? If you're with Ezoic, I believe they're rolling out a video ad. I'm not sure if it's out quite yet, but it's, it's imminent. If you're with AdThriver Mediavine, they have video ads. Use them. If you get 500,000 page views per month, apply to PlayBuzz. PlayBuzz is awesome. It's the one I use. It's the one, the screenshot there I showed you with the daily uh, ad revenue just from the video ad. Use it. it. These these earn a lot of money. Just set the sound to silent as default. Lastly, I also monetize with affiliate. It's a very small percentage overall, but I like to promote Amazon. I like to promote some software. I do a little bit of lead gen. It's a very small percentage. It's not a big deal. It's not a focus. My focus is not to write product reviews and best ofs and comparison articles. I don't really like publishing that stuff. It's competitive because there's a lot of affiliates who all rank for that stuff, and I would prefer to rank content without having to deal with link building and at the end of the day writing reviews and best of articles are very very boring for me uh, and yeah i do do some of it and i hire writers i send them the products and so forth so they, they can do this stuff properly but it's just not a big focus for me i like just doing more informational stuff but it's your call affiliate stuff can be extremely lucrative Next up, once, uh, once the content's published, everything's formatted, grabbed on the inner link, it's time to promote on Pinterest. Now, I've, I've, my Pinterest has exploded in 2020. It's been amazing. From early in the year, uh, 74,000 visits a month was, was just before my trajectory exploded, and now to 320,000 visitors per month, and it's growing. And it all boiled down to an entire shift in the way I view and I use Pinterest. Okay, before Pinterest to me was like the social media platform where you hope you get some viral action. And I also liked visitors on my site to pin to their Pinterest accounts. You know, you put the hover pin on the, on the site. And the, so I was getting I mean, 74,000 visitors a month. That was pretty good. But I, I just had this feeling, they, you know, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. There's going to be a better way. Okay, so I changed my mindset to treat Pinterest as a search engine. And that was a game changer. Okay, what, what that means is unique content on Pinterest. That's a fresh pin every time. Pin to one board with a fresh, unique, well-written description in detail. When I started doing this, the traffic grew very, very quickly. Within three months, I went from 74,000 visitors a month to 320, and it's going up. Okay, Pinterest now a big focus of mine. It's not the number one traffic source. I don't I don't think it'll ever be the number one traffic source for me. I don't intend for it to be the number one traffic source. I think Google traffic is by far the best. It's going to still be my focus. But I can't argue with the fact of getting an extra 300,000 visitors from Pinterest. That's very lucrative traffic. It's well worth it. What about building links? I already alluded to the fact I don't build links. And instead, what I do is I focus on low competition keywords, but I also focus on publishing content that attracts links. Okay, I, I put things into content. I, I put statistics and data and charts and tables and in, in, in content and make it as good as possible. Now, I don't do it for every article, but I do it for the ones where it's going to make sense. In fact, I hire graphic artists to come up and design uh, really great illustrations. And what happens with these types of things, especially like really cool images and illustrations and 
uh, tip when I make my charts or tables, I often put it into a JPEG or a ping format because then other website owners can, can take them, put them on their site because it's so cool, but then they'll link to you and you get a link. Okay, that's, that's one way of attracting links, but also just really writing really good content on articles that other people don't cover. Other, other publishers are going to link to you, okay? And that's the point. Now, is this, is this a fast process? No, it's not a fast process. It's not, it's not like, oh, go to your uh, run-of-the-mill guest post outreach outfit and, you know, pay them $5,000 to go get you 30 guest posts, on most of which will be questionable websites. No, it's not going to be that fast. But it's a lot less risky. And over time, your site authority will grow, Okay. It, it just does. You're going to get links from various other websites. Uh, to date, I have over 7,000 referring domains to my various websites, and it just keeps going up. And as your site authority grows, this is really important, as it, as it grows, you're able to rank for more competitive keywords. So see, th so these days, for some of my sites, I will actually go for more competitive webs or keywords because my site authority has grown so much, I actually stand a chance to rank for them without doing a whole bunch or any link building. It's very important. So start start just trying to get a trickle of traffic and grow that and as the links come in your site authority grows you can go after a little bit more difficult keywords and so on and so forth but that's not to say i still don't go for the easy keywords i still do it's still focus on my of my business because i can rank for them so easily and so quickly okay updating existing content that's another thing i do and it makes a big difference and there are three scenarios where i will do this okay first off my favorite scenario is this and that's updating and improving articles with high authority. These are articles on my site that actually have a lot of inbound links. And you can check which, article, uh, which articles or URLs have inbound links in Ahrefs. And it's, it's, it's really useful because let's say I got 30 inbound links to a particular article. That's quite a bit, right? That means that that article has a lot of page authority. And that means I can leverage it by, if I add more keywords, more long tail keywords, I could probably rank for those. So like literally for like 15, 20 minutes of work, adding maybe a couple paragraphs and a, and a few more keywords, I can rank for a lot more keywords, which is more traffic. It's an easy win. The other scenario where updating existing content would be articles that are doing well in search, but they're not quite there yet. Maybe they're position seven, maybe 10, maybe they're on page two. Okay, Google likes the content because, well, I mean, the, 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 those aren't like terrible rankings, right? But they're not really getting much traffic. So Google likes it but I got to give it a nudge, right? Maybe that nudge involves a few more uh, links pointing to it from other articles on the site, but the nudge could also involve, well, let's let's make the article better. Let's improve it. Let's add some content to it. Maybe, maybe I could add something that will attract links. Maybe I can add some cool images to it or an illustration or something. And then if I attract a couple of links, that might just be enough to, to boost it right into you know, the top three positions, which is where most of the traffic goes to. The third scenario would be articles that are losing rankings. This is an assessment. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, you're spot one and then all of a sudden you get kicked down to spot five and this happens. Other websites maybe produced a better article than you or they have a higher authority or whatever the case may be. This is going to happen. You hang around and do, publish enough content, this will happen. Uh, you got to decide whether it's worth investing time and money back into that to try to get it up or whether it's a lost cause. Um, it's an assessment, but it is a situation where there that I may go in and try to improve the content and, and update that. That is my bird's eye view of basically how I go about with fun niche sites. I'm talking like in beauty and tech and lifestyle. These are niches that I'm in uh, that I have ab I'm able to grow to 50,000 plus monthly revenue just by publishing content and doing it 
over and over and over. This is the system I follow. It's fairly simple. I try to keep it as simple as possible. No, I, I, I want to clarify with the Pinterest. Okay, that's not relevant to all niches. Only use Pinterest if it's a visual niche. Um, you, can, you can waste your time on Pinterest. You, not every niche is applicable, okay? So that, that doesn't apply. But it, it applies to, I'd say, two-thirds of my sites. There's about one-third of my sites where Pinterest is just a total waste of time. So that's a bird's-eye view. That's a strategy I follow. I've been doing it for years, and it works really, really well. Thanks for listening.